1: This is Off-track off track with Hinch and Ross. Hello and welcome to another I off track. Do I don't want to do it either. Do You want to do it, Alex? Like, uh, you like? Not only do I not want to do it, I have never wanted to do it, <laughs> and I will never <laughs> want to. Do
2: it. So let's just not do it. Let's uh, just.
1: Okay. So get, great episode,
2: guys. This is off track. Tra- no, no. Oh I, oh, I thought you were talking about the introduction. Oh yeah, no, that too.
1: Episode. Okay. I
2: was
3: just talking about the whole thing. Yeah. Oh,
2: I mean, <laughs> dude, Tim. Tim called me the other night and we were talking about something and then he was like, you know what? I feel like we should just not do this podcast. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, but fans, if, if that would upset you, let us know. And if less than 10 of you say it would upset you, then it's
3: we're fewer. done. Fewer than 10. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah that's fine. I, I think 10. that's a good, I'll be actually a little bit hurt if we don't get at least <laughs> 10 people. 10. Being like, no, I'd, I'd prefer you did it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to say it changes my week, but like, I don't hate it.
2: Yeah. So 10.
1: Uh, so speaking of Tim calling you, weren't you guys supposed to go to Vegas together last week or something? What happened there? So Alex, (sighs) you had a a Napa appearance right after Toronto. Is that right?
2: Or was that this week? Yeah. Yeah. I had a Napa appearance right after Toronto and, and Tim and I loosely kind of had plans. Um, I I was going to drive out. Yeah. They were born
1: on this. I don't know if it was where we were recording. It was the conclusion of the, the,
2: the episode. Um, Honestly, though, like, I was pretty, I mean, not in a super good mood after Toronto. (laughs) And we're going into another race weekend, so, like, I needed Vegas to be pretty low-key. So, I was in and out and did my appearance, which was great. It was an amazing, actually, expo that I didn't know Napa had its own, like, expo.
1: Oh, it was Um, like a, it was their whole deal. It was their thing. I I originally,
2: right, I originally thought I was going and they were going to have, like, a booth at some tool auto part expo no no this is the napa expo um which was amazing and it was really cool to see and i'm glad i went but yes i was in and out in like 18 hours so
3: fair fair so yeah because i i texted after the race i was just like all good if you don't want me to drive out there by the way completely understand if you're not in the mood and when he didn't respond i was like yeah that's about what i expected
1: (laughs) the best is you should have said no man it's fine and then waited until he was three hours and 28 minutes into the drive and be like honestly man i just i
3: can't do it i, I i'm i not in the mood
2: he's still i to think come. i would have just
3: yeah i would have just well, for sure shown up and be like well that sucks for you because yeah. <laughs> I, I i'm not turning around yeah it was funny so it was funny
2: i <clears throat> um after the expo and, and dinner or whatever i played some roulette right and I'm sure everyone's familiar with how roulette works. But like I had this weird, like I just had this thing that I didn't want to pick like numbers, like my number, I guess. So for me it would be 27. So I was picking, I was picking, you know, 12 and nine and twenty one, like friends' numbers in motorsports, right? But I wasn't actually picking twenty seven. The twenty seven in the 30 to 45 minutes that I was sitting there must have hit six times. Come <laughs> on. Five <laughs> times at least. It was unbelievable.
1: Cobb. Do you want to know what's, do you know
2: what's like? really ironic? Is <laughs> like the second number that hit the most was 28. <laughs> so <laughs> that table <laughs> was interesting. Like there was some like weird voodoo magic going on yeah. at that table. Yeah.
1: There is some a weird aura there. Yeah. It reminds me of that story that Pat McAfee used to tell uh, about being, I don't know, I think it been like French lick at the casino or something. And he's at the roulette table, everything's going south, he's running out of money. Peyton walks in and it's like, you know, Jesus himself has just come back and he's walking through the and like people are just parting and just like oh. yeah. and he walks by and he sees Pat there and like comes over to say something to him. No one at the table had any idea that Pat was also a football player. And they're like, How does how does this guy know Peyton Manning? And Peyton's like, that red 18's looking pretty good, huh? And he walks off and and was like yeah, all right, whatever. Threw his last hundred bucks on Red 18 and it hits. It's <laughs> like, that's that tracks. That's a paid Manning move right there. But that's
2: also a Pat McAfee move.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's, it's the same
2: person that drunkenly bought goats from Australia. Yeah.
1: Just the one goat, but yeah. Or,
2: okay. Yeah. One yeah.
3: One. It was sure the goat of goats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, times. Anyways, so
2: that was my week. James, what have you done post Toronto before we get to pre and current Toronto?
1: <laughs> pre and during. Yeah. Uh so uh uh post Toronto, I had a nice day with my family on Monday, uh just kind of catching up with everybody. And um my brother and his uh fiance, her family was in town, so we kind of all got together for a little thing. Um and and yeah, I had, had just a wonderful day uh, at mom's house and then went to went to dinner, and that was lovely. And then Becky and I packed up and drove back to Indy uh, on Tuesday. And it is currently Wednesday. So I have this day basically to unpack, do laundry, repack, and then leave tomorrow for Iowa. For the hot, sweaty, doubleheader extravaganza that is Iowa. But we'll get to Iowa after we cover Toronto.
2: So someone just tweeted us. Do I say neither here nor there a lot?
1: Yeah. The other thing you say a lot is ultimately, but you also really? pronounce it like,
3: like it's got an O at the front and not a U. Oh. Hmm.
2: You can yeah. shut up. And James.
3: To, uh, <laughs> anticlimactic. Now I'm going to say it like you do. Anticlimactic? <laughs> yeah. That's not how that's said. Uh, it's fine though. Why? Wait, what does he
2: say? How is it said?
3: Well, it's, it's Climactic.
2: As opposed climatic.
3: to climatic, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh okay. That's well, an easy one. it's aluminum. So fuck you.
1: <laughs> it's al- al- aluminum. That it's <clears no> al- <throat> aluminum. <throat> no, it's the not. Queen. And <laughs> if there's one thing I know about the Queen, it's that she's a good kisser. If there's two things I know about the Queen, it's that she's a good kisser and she really likes people
3: speaking her language properly.
2: I may pronounce things wrong, but at least I don't tell the same joke every f- two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I want it known that that's not one of the jokes that James has stolen from me. I have better jokes. They also called me out for laughing at my own jokes. I was pretty upset.
2: You're not funny. This person's a mean lady.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did she say more or just that you say neither here Uh, nor there?
2: But it's mostly pointed at me, so I think she's a big Dancer with the Stars fan.
3: The other one that I get a lot is I say obviously too much she says okay it's it's shelly paul new drinking game take a drink for each of the following yes and no from alex neither here nor there from alex for sure like those both are the, of you. two of the same 100 for both of you it's fine alex and yeah. bonus each time i laugh at my own jokes
1: okay uh alex do i <laughs> just rip through those and so we can get shelly really drunk here yeah. uh, i feel like that's what she's I mean, gunning for yes and no <laughs> It's neither here nor there what these people think about how you talk, man. For sure. It's fine. For sure. 100%. 100%. (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Every time. time. RIP, (laughs) Shelly. If anyone else Thursday morning drive to
2: work was awesome.
1: (laughs) If anybody sees a car swerving erratically on the way to work this morning, it's probably Shelley. You Shelly. Shelly grabbed her a white claw
2: instead of a Perrier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. good times. Good times. Uh, we will do this, though. We should actually create official rules for the off track drinking game because I do feel like that could be fun, but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's all very
1: anticlimactic. <laughs> Oh what a day, guys! What a day! So the Honda 80 Toronto came back after two year absence. Uh, thanks a lot, Rona. And I think we t- we talked about this last week <clears throat> that I was worried being off the schedule for two years. There, there was one of two things was going to happen, right? It was the out of sight, out of mind. A lot of people wouldn't show up because they'd sort of forgot about the event, or were still worried about coming out in public, whatever, whatever, or in groups, whatever. Or it was two years of pent up wanting to go out and, and do shit. and thank God it was the latter because I'd heard that ticket sales were good and sweet sales were good and all that. But man, the amount of people that were at the track, Friday and Sunday especially, was bananas. It was awesome. I don't know if you noticed a nice uptick in attendance, Alex, from your previous experience at Toronto. Um
2: I don't I don't know that I. Really remember 2019 but like i can say it was packed like it was completely slammed i mean it was cool on friday to kind of get in the cars at 4 p.m after we had been there since thursday and sitting around doing nothing um it was cool to get in the cars and and let, kind of look out to the last corner grandstand and just see it full like that was that was really awesome um so huge shout out to everyone that showed up i mean that's a big effort from the series and green Savory and and everything you know i heard that Dwayne Savory honored everyone's tickets from last year, which was great, and then obviously continued to sell for for this year. So I'm um, glad that's a thing of the past. And, you know, as much as I've i i I've talked about it before, you know, I don't love the track, but I love the event and I love the city. Um, you know, it was, it was really special to be back there. And I think that everyone would have enjoyed themselves.
1: For, you would have, and you should go next year if you didn't this year. Uh, so book your tickets now because it'll probably sell out again because it was, it was a sellout. I wasn't supposed to say that beforehand, uh, but I can tell you that now. Um, Every Grandstand was sold. Every suite was sold. It was awesome. So I know you, we've talked about how you are not the biggest fan of the circuit itself. I'm assuming that didn't change over the last two years. And after another weekend there, you feel similar?
2: Yeah, I just, I mean, it's a very short lap. You know, I mean, it's um, it's similar to St. Pete.
1: It's like, no it's, in, no, it's like Sebring. Like, it's, it's just,
2: well, no. I mean, St. Pete, you can do a 59.9 on the perfect day and qualifying or whatever. True. Like, it's, it's pretty similar to that. But like, St. Pete is just, it's just more in, enjoyable in a lot of respects. Like, there's, there's some, there's, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any like really cool corner of Toronto. There's not like a section that's, that's fun. Maybe turn one if the car's hooked up, like, and you can get that like slide right through there. It's nice, but the rest is just, it's incredibly inconsistent, the surfaces. Um, and there's just really no rhythm to it. So that that part of it's what's frustrating.
1: Yeah, the, the tragedy for you is that your first year there was the first year that they had the altered pit lane and last sequence. And that last sequence of corners, that was the part of Toronto that made it Toronto. Like that part was right. awesome. Right. Um, so that is, yeah, that is unfortunate. Understood. Okay, so a lot of talk amongst the teams and drivers over the weekend about these extended Friday practices, right? So 75 minutes instead of 45. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting the alternate tires to run in practice one rather than Mm -hmm. Saturday morning in practice two, right before qualifying. And there seems to be some opinions that that's not an experiment that people are taking too kindly and would rather go back to either, either give you guys more tires to run more practice time on Friday Actually, not either or two things. Give you another set of primaries to run on Friday, but then also go back to having the Reds be on Saturday before qualifying. Is this something that you're on board with?
2: Yeah. So ultimately, I don't I don't understand or comprehend whatsoever the reason for running giving us the red tires that we have to run um, in the first session, which is the Friday afternoon session. I don't I, I reasonably can't understand that. If you want to have people run more laps, which I think is ultimately the goal that they're trying to accomplish, right? That it's not giving us the same amount of tires and extending a session thirty minutes is going to do nothing. Right? We, you but, see it. This is—I've never gotten out of an Indy car in a race weekend before, and now since they've done this every single Friday session, we all do an install lap and get out of the car and carry on with our lives for twenty-ish minutes before we go out and actually start running, which is the 45 minutes, right? That, that we usually had. I suggested, because I understand that there's always a concern and, and the caveat to, oh, well, we're trying to keep costs down and we don't want to have people buy an extra set of tires or whatever. Fine. Why can't we carry over tires from other events? Like if, if you had to use set, you would 100% go out right away because you're getting kind of that initial baseline run of right heights and arrow balances and making sure like everything's normal on the car before you would then put on a new new tire set right so i think that there's a lot of benefit to that and then one counter argument was oh well we go to all these different types of tracks it's like well that's pretty irrelevant these days because i just did an iowa test and had a set of tires that was from the 500 okay number one the amount of times that i've really? driven yeah we just did an indie gp test with tires from barber like it's it doesn't matter. Like we can have tire as long as they're not oval tires. We can have any tires. Right. There's street course place.
1: tires, road course tires, and oval tires and kind of go from there.
2: Right. It's irrelevant of where what track it's from, right? So I'm I think
1: very surprised it, you ran five hundred tires at Iowa.
2: Oh yeah. We all did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah.
2: and it was it was fine. Like it was not
1: Like not optimal, but it wasn't
2: fast, but like it wasn't crazy. It was only like a couple of tenths slower. So it wasn't like out of the ballpark. So, anyways, I think used tires is is something um, that could be a solution if you don't want to add that extra expense to the teams, which is fine. I think people would all, I don't think anyone would say no to that. Um, But really getting the red tires back to Saturday morning needs to happen. Like, I just don't, I don't know why we're not doing that.
1: And that's because track evolution, especially on a street circuit, from Friday night to Saturday morning is so big that the red tire run on Friday is just so far off what you're going to see in qualifying from a track grip.
2: But what's happening is you're not even getting a benefit. Like I would understand it was like, okay, well, yeah, that sucks for you. It's a challenging sport. Get over it. We're seeing an extra 20%, 30% of laps that are getting run. So this is a benefit for the series. So go screw yourself. But that doesn't exist. Right. So it's like, why are, we, why are we making things more difficult and overcomplicating things when there's no actual positive thing that's coming out of it, I guess is my point.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, right? I, see, yeah, I see
2: that. So that makes like, sense. If, if, you want, if you really want the Friday session to be a big deal and you want to have it be this extended time, fine, keep, us, keep the reds there. I don't care, it's the same for everyone, but then give us the used tires to at least start the session or give us another set of primary black tires. You gotta, you gotta give us another set somehow. So is what it boils
1: down. On your carryover tire strategy, if you have <clears throat> excuse me, if you have like a, a bad race, let's say, and get taken out on lap one and you've got new tires from the previous event, do those count? Or do they have to carry over carry over tires have to be used? Well, they'd have to
2: be used, but if you look at if you look at every fast six format qualifying session that exists. There's a set of black tires that'll be there that have like seven laps on them.
1: Your banker you laps. Yeah. Your
2: banker laps that you can easily use.
1: But what if you wore those out in warm up, for example? Okay.
2: okay. Well, it's fine. People still go out on 20 lap tires. Yeah. Okay. Like it doesn't,
1: yeah. If you destroy a set and
2: you have to get an allotment because you locked up one. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. We used to have allotment tires in the past. That's not a big deal. You're not going to have an advantage because someone has a new left front and on that 321 wrap yeah. set like it doesn't matter um so no i think there's easily a, a way to do it there's there's always enough tires <laughs> carry over tires it, i don't know that's yeah. my that's my two cents
1: fair enough but it's neither right. here nor there <laughs> for sure for sure 100 percent, 100 for sure
3: um, all right, I actually was kind of curious about one thing because I was unfortunately not able to watch the race. I just had to listen because I was driving back from Big Bear. Um, how did everything end up with the pits? Because there was a lot of talk with how tight the pit lane was going to be going in.
2: Well, everyone got to pit under yellow because of my thing, so you're
1: welcome. I <laughs> <laughs> to experience just how bad it could be. And, I mean, there were no incidents. There were a couple near misses. Um, yeah. You know, the the way that – so, like, Pato normally, you know, being the first box is an advantage. That first box was right. I mean, he was facing a concrete wall. He had to do such an aggressive right turn to get out of his box. It was almost no benefit. Like he didn't have a clear out the way you normally do having the first box. So one, I, one of the pit stops, he came out. There were already guys sort of too wide that had to narrow down to one anyway. And he made it sort of three so that one <clears throat> was a bit tricky and then yeah i think that was it i mean like you know colton colton's timing in pit lane ended up sort of hosing him a bit because he came in, in the lead uh dixon had pit the lap before and right as he was leaving mclaughlin was coming into his box which is right in front of colton's so he had to hold up a little bit in the there box. yeah exactly and especially with our team's good at doing that <laughs> <laughs> and the the and the other thing that's uh, that's interesting about it is when you have a six speed box for that race, so a six you know, a, all usable gears, right? So some tracks you only use five gears on track, so they set first gear very short, so it's really easy to get out of the pit box. But other races, you have to use first gear on track, which makes it considerably longer which makes it a lot harder to get going out of the box. And so when you've got someone in front of you, it slows you up even more. And uh and that's what happened to uh to Colton which, you know, I don't know if it would have made 100% the difference. Scott maybe would have got him anyway, but it certainly didn't help the 26's cause. But yeah, for all intents and purposes the pit lane was fine. We've heard from IndyCar that there are plans in place for next year to adjust the pit lane. Uh I won't go into details, but they are looking at how to make it bigger and better and safer and cleaner because they fully expect to have more cars. I mean, had the 11 not had its sponsorship issues, we would have had an extra car there. And I frankly don't know where they would have put it. I mean, the Graham Ray Hall's team, they had to pit in a box that had basically no wall in front of it for all of practice and qualifying because that wall had to be pulled back as the only ingress and egress place for pit lane. And then during the race, they closed the wall and the team had to move their timing stand back up against the wall. Cause it was sitting like 10 feet back. So some issues, but we're working on it.
0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney world? Like, Hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through it's true magic. Cause we came to play at Walt Disney world resort. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Uh, okay, so qualifying. Good job. Into the fast six. Seemed like the car's working pretty well.
2: Yeah, thank you. We, uh... It was a bit of a difficult situation in the fast six, because the guys that I was competing against were in that round two group one round two, which had all of the chaos of the crashes and red flags and everything. Um, so had two last slaps on on their used dreads, so it was kind of an uphill battle. um but yeah, I mean, the car and team and everything was. Awesome. All weekend, like no complaints. We rolled off strong. We didn't really change a whole lot throughout the whole weekend. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, no issue. I mean, Colton did a good job, obviously, to get to get pulled. But um, like I said, I think we were, we had a shot at it. It just didn't fall our way. And um, to start fourth was good. Um, qualifying had a lot of drama for people and poor James for For those that don't know, James is kind of our president of our pseudo driver association program that we have. And I say pseudo only because we don't like officially meet. We kind of talk via email, sort of, and not everyone (laughs) contributes. Um, But usually James or every weekend, James on the Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, in this case, sends out an email to all of us and says, hey, you know, any thoughts, comments, concerns, good or bad about the weekend that I can forward to IndyCar? And usually like one to three people will pipe up with something. And today it was like everyone, I think it was 12 emails came in and they were like yeah. a couple paragraph long 13 emails. Now, yeah. yeah. Just, just, Ripping into um, James, w- which none of it's his fault. So he's got a much bigger job this week. To yeah, get a little more, a little here. more
1: catalog cataloging to do from yes. the re- from the replies to Florida. To but the New main, car.
2: but the main kind of concern for people was the qualifying format, and
1: you know, I well, not the format so much sorry. as the
2: the way the, the rules, rules are.
1: behind yellows and reds. So yes, let's paint the picture that really caused the issue. So. the way the rules read if you go off and qualifying let's say into a runoff and cause a local yellow but there's nobody behind you you get your car turned around and get going there's no penalty if while you cause a yellow a car goes through a yellow flag section whether they're on a fast lap or not whether they're on a fast lap or not the the rule for this year changed from you know, the the driver going through the yellow has to slow down 15% of the sector time because we have no way of knowing what that is. It essentially became, if you drive through a yellow flag zone, regardless of what lap you're on or, or whatever, that lap just does not count. So there's no incentive for a driver to go right. through it quickly. So, <clears throat> uh, and, and then if you're the one who caused that yellow, there is a penalty applied, you lose laps, can't transfer, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost as bad as causing a red, I think. I thought it was less bad. Like, can you still not transfer? I feel no, like you, you just, can, you can transfer. You can transfer. So you just yeah. lose one or two fast laps. I don't know. I thought it was just one, maybe for that, but I, yeah, I don't know either one or two fast laps. You can still transfer if you get going again, whatever. So the situation we had was in Q one, uh, uh devil. De Francesco ended up in the tire barrier in turn three. It went local yellow. He kept it running. He managed to back off and go away. But a few cars did certainly pass him and go through that section under yellow, which would have meant a penalty for the 29. What happened is just behind Dev on the back straight, Palo's car crept to a stop with some sort of electrical or engine issue, whatever it was, and the red flag came out. So when the red flag came out for Palo's incident, we were still sort of expecting a penalty for Devlin's incident, but what Race Control said was the, driver, the drivers that went through Dev's yellow, whose laps would have been deleted as a result and would have essentially initiated the penalty against Dev, their laps would, weren't going to count anyway because the red came out before they completed the laps. So Race Control's stance was the people he impeded weren't really affected because the red sort of superseded that and would have canceled everybody's lap on track. They anyway. wouldn't have
2: gotten to the timeline anyways, before
1: right. they actually threw the red. Yeah. Right. So there's a logic there. I do understand yeah. their, their motivation there. Why penalize another guy? Like Alex was already going to lose his laps and not be able to transfer for causing the red. The guys that were affected by dev weren't really affected. So I sort of see the logic there, but I guess the issue is that's not how it's worded is is what's causing some of it the, the no, consternation
2: no, I think the issue is <laughs> I think the issue is racing drivers will look for most i mean I'm guilty james is guilty we we have an excuse handbook right, yeah. and when things don't go well and you know you're you're not transferring it's very easy to point a finger on the fact that well, there was this yellow that w- would have affected me, even if it wouldn't would have affected me and all this stuff and like it makes it easier to justify. I think the bigger, the bigger issue slash argument that exists is, and I don't know that it was actually brought up in the email, but it was a conversation I had before the race. So this red flag happens. The timer keeps coming down. The, The clock keeps running. However, IndyCar has said that if they can get the session going before the timer runs out, what, if that's one second or, 30 seconds or a minute and a half, regardless of how much time it gets it takes to get to the timeline, they'll guarantee you one lap to try and go out and, and better your time. Which on, you know, qualifying going from the black tire to the red tire, there's a very good chance that on a new red tire, even if it's just one lap, you'll go quicker. And I think that's a great that's a great rule, and that's something that is is nice that they do. What ended up happening was as that Lap came to an end, you know, four, five, six guys went across the timeline. They either improved or they didn't. And then Kyle Kirkwood crashed in the last corner, which brought out a yellow flag, red flag, and the session. Well, the guys that were behind Kyle ended up not getting that to finish that lap because there was a car in the barrier. So essentially what you're doing is you're allowing some people, should should those guys that improve their position Prior to Kyle, should that be valid? Or should it almost reset and everyone tries again? Like how how should, or is it just like that's you gotta draw the line somewhere and that's super unlucky? So so Will's Will's opinion
1: was right, there should be a guaranteed lap for everyone. And it's like, okay, well, maybe. Okay, so so in that situation, you're saying the red comes out, they clean up Kyle's car, the six everyone guys across the, the line Kyle. parks, and the other guys all go out not my suggestion yeah but just I, that i see his point but no racing's not fair life's not fair right i think that's i think the fact that indycar makes the effort to give everybody that one lap is enough of like uh of a help trying to make it a little more fair so that way if you were just leaving the pits on your reds when the initial yellow or red was caused you're at least still getting a lap so here's 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 something that
2: goes into the next level of detail so do you think it's right that ultimately Will was penalized because he had a bad qualifying in mid-Ohio? Because now the boxes are drawn on qualifying order yeah. is the, 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 the order in which you get to select your box for the next event. It always used to be championship position. Not true. Yes. No. 100% true. How,
1: how long ago are we talking here? Last year. Absolutely not true. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Isn't it based on how you qualified at the previous round? No. Then that was I, new I, for last year. I, I didn't thought think that, that Brian, was, no, it
3: was I yeah. thought it was based on qualifying from the last yeah, race. I
1: think I actually think you're wrong here, bud. I think like the, the first race of the season, I, I think Saint Pete. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. You're right. So What's it, funny it, is you yes.
3: two would be the one I would ask about. This. <laughs> yes, you're right. So,
1: yeah, so, it's, it's, it, so it doesn't change anything. Right. So basically, and I, and I see right. his point because what happens, what sucks is you have a bad qualifying in St. Pete for whatever reason. And then you're all the way down in the shit end of pit lane for the next race. And this exact thing happens. So you qualify poorly again and it snowballs and it's awful, but you either do it by championship position and then you're back there all the time or you have a chance of pulling your way out of it in the current format or you do it by random draw and then a guy that has no reason to be at the back is at the back and he gets screwed so like I do think the way they do it is pretty fair I like the fact that for so for 2021 it was the order you qualified that was the order you lined up in pit lane for the next race now the order you qualified at the previous race is the order in which you get to choose your box and yeah, you guys highlighted that in Mid Ohio, based on at Road America, you didn't take the first pit box. You were more, you were strategic about which box you picked. So I, I actually kind of like the format we've gotten to. I see Will's point. Will is on a streak of four consecutive races qualifying outside the top fifteen. Yeah, he had never had three consecutive races in his career qualifying uh, outside the top fifteen. So now he's on a streak of four. I get his frustration. But, yeah, I mean, you cannot come up with a, a set of rules that accounts for the fairest, you know, the, the, the most equal set of, you know, opportunities for every single car in the field. It's just not going to happen.
2: You're right. You're right. So, speaking of fairness and rules. <laughs> Let's go to the race. Let's go to the race. So, running for pretty much, well, Joseph's and I's day got kind of turned upside down. Um, after the first stop because where we were we were third and fourth Colton and Scott were in the lead we were not far behind them we were a second back um, Joseph and I pitted on the same lap Col- Scott pitted the lap before us I believe and Colton pitted the lap after us and the way it worked out was cars that hadn't pitted yet <laughs> were out there pounding away on black tires and Joseph or Colton and Scott were able to clear them, and Joseph and I got stuck behind those two cars. Right. For f- 16 laps. So that, 17 there, laps. there
1: was a yellow early on that some cars at the back took, took some fuel. And those guys also were the ones that started on the primary tires. The goal that the strategy tire wise is run your primaries as long as possible for two stints. So your red stint could be as short as possible. Majority of the field started on the on the alternates. So you guys pit on lap 15, 16, somewhere 20, in that range. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the primary guys were going to try to stretch it out to lap, you know, 30 if they could. So yes. So when they, then the pit cycle was complete, the cars that had taken the extra fuel and had the primary tires were, had stayed out. The first two cleared them. You guys didn't. And you're now stuck in a train behind these two, three, four drivers. I forget how many it was.
2: It was just two. And okay. the amount of overtake because joseph and i you know you're trying to manage the race as a whole right and you're not just trying to focus on oh you got to clear these cars as much as it caught it ended up costing us 17 seconds behind these guys but it was because toronto's notoriously challenging to pass and the only passing zone there is you can very easily defend with overtake and joseph and i couldn't just turn through overtake to try and get over through two lap cars because every single lap they were on the button out of turn one. And it was relentless. It was so frustrating because the four of us at the beginning of the race dropped fifth through 10th. Like the four of us were kind of just gone. And then what happened was we got caught behind these two and it, it then became a train from third to like 12th and everyone was just on top of each other and stuck. Ultimately, that is what's going to segue into what ended up happening to me. Um, so we finally get around those cars, but now everyone's on top of each other and everyone's kind of racing and, and all this stuff. Anyways, for those who didn't watch, um, Felix was in fifth. Yeah, in fifth. Had kind of a run, not really, but used some more overtake than I did and made a pretty late pass into turn three. Um, you know, James is kind of always, as you get to a break-in zone, you look in your mirror, and then once before you turn in, you look in your mirror. But he was far enough back. I didn't really see a point to defend it. Um, and I figured if he put a nose inside, it would be kind of just halfway along, and, you know, life would go on. I'd yeah. run a bit wide, and I'd have the inside for the next corner, and
1: everything would be Yeah, fine. you can go side-by-side side there, and then it sort of sure. Joseph and it, so I went side-by-side no
2: side through there. David right. Malucas and I went No problem. It's tight, but it's fine. Felix none of this conversation has anything to do with felix it happens racing happens contact happens whatever he he didn't he didn't break too late and stove it into the side of me like he was getting on power trying to race me out of the corner had some oversteer corrected the oversteer into my car which kind of sent my car on a straight trajectory into a concrete wall again not really that mad at felix like mad at the situation but no finger point to felix whatever What I really struggle to understand is how on earth that's not a penalty. Because what you had happen was, had had he just hit me and I, are on a road course, we talked about this in Ohio, you go through the dirt, you go through the grass, you might lose two or three spots, racing incident. You know, you're fighting for the same piece of real estate. It's not, contact happens in this sport, in this cars Contact to a certain extent in any car is encouraged. It's part of the show and the event that we have, totally fine. I'm for it. I'm part of it. Like, I don't have an issue with that, right? But when that person carries on with no penalty, and I end up out of the race, and we talk every week about how the needle of responsibility is on the overtaking competitor right. to make sure that you both get through there cleanly, I really struggle. That's where I struggle to understand.
1: Yeah. So the the two things that stood out for me there were because I, I agree with you that Felix didn't do anything, nothing wrong, wrong egregious, no. malicious. right and you you saw him like it, it was a late move you saw him you gave him the room you were through the corner side by side no problem uh big concrete patch in the middle of turn three right as you want to get on power you're going uphill pretty aggressively his car got some oversteer it happens corrected it hit you at just that worst possible angle that it ripped the wheel out of your hands and yes me concrete so i understand in one sense the reluctance to want to give a driver a penalty for what was seemingly like an okay move, but the two things they talk about a lot. And by them, I, I mean the stewards, right? Um, this is not a, this is not a Cal Novak thing. This is not a, you know, race control thing. This is a steward thing. One of the, two of the things they talk about a lot are like you say, the, the needle of responsibility being weighted to the overtaking car. And then how, how does it end out for, how does it end up for both guys? right? So if you want to go back and look at mid Ohio, you could, I mean, Grosjean was the overtaking car still. And at the end of that event, you guys were both right at the back of the, of the line. Nobody benefited from it. Right. So penalizing. self-penalizing in this one, exactly right. You did absolutely nothing wrong. You could argue that Felix's oversteer is a brief loss of control of the car, which resulted in contact. That contact resulted in you being out of the race while he carries on to a podium. It's really hard
2: to not see... Well, and, what's, and, and I follow that up with my other event in mid-Ohio with Devlin. Mm-hmm. You know, turn six. Some think it was a late move. Others think that's a passing zone. Okay. I was alongside of him. It was late. Okay, ended up being that we make wheel-to-wheel contact. I carry on. He's not out of the race, but he goes off track. I got an avoidable contact drive-through for that. So we're talking. We're talking Good literally. Point. Good point. Twelve days later, and I a very identical situation happens. Okay, again, I don't think what I did on Devon was egregious. I don't think what Felix did on me was egregious but they penalized me when all Devlin did was lose a spot to me. He was already at the back of the line. He didn't lose a spot to anyone. He carried on, didn't spin, no damage to his car, everything fine. I go from fourth to literally ripping off a left front corner and they're like, nah, it's fine. Yeah. I don't, I can't comprehend it.
1: No, it's, it's, it's the, the, the biggest complaint you're ever going to hear from any driver in any series around the world is just consistency in the officiating and this one stands out as a big question mark for me, for sure. Um, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't change my day, right? Like I'm out either way. It's just for sure. It's setting the precedent, though, right? It's it, it, <laughs> it's 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 a we- it's a weird one.
3: Yeah. Did uh, somewhat related? Did anybody give you tips about keeping that steering wheel in your hand? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that guy. <laughs> and you wonder why we don't let him speak more uh so we talked about how scott got around colton uh in the first pit sequence there despite and a couple then late-
2: went on to make history
1: exactly right despite a couple late yellows and restarts he held on to that spot and with his 52nd career win he has tied mario andretti for number two all time on the win list and I am insanely biased in this and I'll probably lose a couple fans for this next statement. But AJ Foyt, who's number 1 on that list at 67, you know, I've looked back at what some of those races were and they were kind of back when
2: USAC was a Yeah, was and an it IndyCar. was it was
1: a very different sort of program even compared to what Mario did in in sort of his career. Um Man, a lot of those ones I struggle to count the same way as as what Scott and Mario have done. But whatever, I don't make the record books. Technically, Scott's tied for second. Based on his statement that he plans to race for the next five years, I think he's got a pretty good shot at taking second all to himself. First is going to be tough, but you cannot deny, man, that Scott Dixon is quite literally a living legend and uh, and the best of his generation with 52 wins, 6 championships do you want to know what's nuts do you want to know what's absolutely insane outside of the indy 500 which he's had poll out a couple times in the last few years scott dixon's last non-500 poll and there wasn't on championship points. that wasn't a rainout of based on championship points was in twenty sixteen. no yeah It was Watkins Glen 2016. That is insanity. I wish we had looked at how many races he'd won in that same span because it was at least two championships.
2: I want to know though. I want to know how many of the Fast Six weekends. How many of those weekends he's in the Fast Six? Because majority, most,
1: and that's just it, right? Like that's yeah. He's on a pole, but he's he's
2: second to sixth every weekend,
1: right? And that's just that's him. You compare that to a guy like uh, Elio, who had like, like way more polls than you realize, like fifty something, fifty one maybe oh, no. polls. Yeah. Um, yeah. But never one high twenties or thirty maybe. Maybe he got thirty wins, something like that. But yeah, way more polls than wins. And then Scott clearly has way more, way more wins than polls. Oh, Will Power is another one, right? For sure. I mean, Will's. I wonder what Will win number. He's got to be up there pretty decently. I can find that one out
2: pretty. Got to be. Uh, what do you think like it is? High I 30s.
1: I was going to say even low 40s. <laughs> he's, got 30, he's got to be like 38 or something. Okay. So I'm going to say 42. It's my guess. Okay. Uh, Willpower. We, we know he has 50. Ah, 41. I was close. He's got 64 polls, 41 wins.
2: Okay. Well,
1: you do I know what's insane yeah. though? 64 polls, 261 starts. I think that gives him like a 25%. Hold on. 261 poll times. What
2: did I say? Sixty-four polls. Yeah, it's twenty twenty-four. Yeah, point, 24,
1: Yeah, it. he's got twenty-five percent poll ratio. Twenty-five percent of his races he started on poll. That's insanity. Mm. That's Meanwhile, insanity. Scott
2: Dixon Scott mo- starts most of them not from pole.
1: And yeah, and you know what? I think more of Will's. Wins have come not from pole than from pole. Regardless, uh, phenomenal You're weekend both, in Toronto. They're both great, they're both, they're both great drivers. They're both yeah. tremendous people and yeah. great drivers. Um, Toronto, awesome job to the city, just to Green Savory, everybody there, uh, all the fans that came out. Honda for all the support of that event. It was great to see it. Congrats, uh, Scott. Congrats to Colton um, on on win and pole respectively. And now. Because we love you guys, we're going to throw in a quick Ask Alex to uh, to wrap this bad boy up before we all head right. off to Iowa. We didn't even get a chance to talk about Iowa, but that's all right. We'll talk
3: about it's it fine. after. We'll, well, yeah, we'll, we, have, two we'll have two races, to races. Talk about it. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, here's our Ask Alex for today I'm looking for suggestions on how to thank a spouse. When Iowa was announced, I realized it is the weekend of my 50th birthday. As a joke, I asked my wife if I could go to the Iowa race for my 50th. Much to my surprise, she said yes. I was not expecting that to happen. She hates racing, at least ten times more than you hate Santino Ferrucci. I really do not think I can ever convince her how thankful I am or show her how much I appreciate her doing this. I had planned on a massage at our hotel while in Iowa, but the hotel no longer offers massages. I suspect you may have heard stories from other fans in similar situations. Any ideas or suggestions?
1: Alex, it is the Ask Alex segment, so you don't have to raise your hand. You can just go ahead and uh, fire it's away It's also there, an bud. audio format.
2: Um, so, <laughs> sorry, we're not supposed to use names.
1: Uh, no, all
2: right, man. So here's, here's the thing. And James is going to have a very different answer for you because he's just, in general, a nicer person. It's your 50th birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy so birthday, by the way. You get to do what you want. She's doing, she, she is fulfilling your wish for your 50th birthday. So like now, like make her by dinner, you know, you should, you should ask more things of her. It's your 50th birthday. So the fact that you're going to Iowa is great. What else are you getting? You know? So like I don't think this needs to be a thing about how do you thank her? It's what more can I get for my fiftieth birthday.
3: Ask not what you can do for your wife.
2: <laughs> if it was her birthday, or it's a whole different conversation or just a normal day, but it's your weekend, man. Do it. I don't love you i love obligated.
3: This cause, 'cause I'm I'm sure part of him was hoping to like have this be the thank you. Like, listen, these guys are gonna talk about it. We're gonna listen to it on the way. And instead we're just like, nah, do more. Do more for this man. <laughs> we're going to vicariously get this guy in trouble yeah i see yeah this
1: (laughs) this plan may have backfired but i mean i don't disagree a 50 is a big deal you should get to do what you want to do on your 50th and look she obviously is doing it she agreed to do it even though she quote hates racing at least 10 times more than you hate santino ferrucci (laughs) so she's taken a bullet already i I gotta say you know i think it's uh you show her the appreciation for her, you know, doing what you do want to do on your birthday,
3: and well, yeah, and it, you also got to do whatever the hell she wants to do for her next birthday. Correct. Yes, I mean that's kind of a given. That goes without saying. So, or
2: or on and, a Tuesday, I mean, that's just being married. I feel like.
1: Yeah, that's also <laughs> uh, that's also mostly how that works. Yep. Um, but yes, enjoy the weekend, guys. Uh, we're so happy that you chose to spend your fiftieth in newton iowa of all places big birthday destination spot yeah, for a lot yeah. of
3: a lot of people. they were gonna go that just happened to also be a race right yeah, yeah he, he was just he going because really
1: he
0: loved newton
3: <laughs> big international harvester guy i think
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh enjoy the weekend thank you for thank you for uh for supporting the race and um yeah but i i, I do agree she should still buy you dinner on i mean
2: phone. maybe maybe if like i don't know if she's a big florida georgia lion fan or a blake shelton fan or you you might bonnie fan when you might not be maybe like as a reciprocal thing you could take her to the concert like we do have three headlining
1: concerts that are happening that's what's so great about this weekend guys let's do a real quick let's do a real quick just shout out to hyvee and and the promoter of the IndyCar race in Iowa, which is, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it like this, but IndyCar is promoting yes. this race. Yep. Um Hive stepped up in a huge way. We have some huge concerts, like you talked about. There's been a lot of buy-in around town. Uh, I think it's going to be an awesome event. Double header. The race is always super exciting because of tired dag and two lanes of racing and bumpy. And it and beat at and-
2: night. Oh, wait.
1: Yeah. That is the one sort of bummer. <sighs> I wish it could be like a Friday night, Saturday night program rather than mm. a Saturday at three and Sunday at four.
3: At least the heat
2: index will be hundred and four.
3: Well, yeah. here's something to keep in mind for for this guy's wife. Just know that Alex also doesn't want to be there.
1: It's a valid point. <laughs> it's a valid point. I think he's getting paid significantly more than she is to be there, though. So it's an easier pill to swallow. Uh, but hey, I mean, why don't you bring her by the Andretti Autosport trailer? and have a little meet-and-greet with Alexander Rossi (laughs) as a payback for... (laughs) No. You know what? Just email... All (laughs) scheduling
2: requests have closed as of 3.55 Eastern Standard Time on the Wednesday before the event. That's common knowledge.
3: James will give the massage, though, since the hotel doesn't (laughs) offer him anymore. Just find James, and he will give your wife a massage.
1: I feel like that is not... What anybody, I don't think that's what he wants or she wants. I don't think that's how it's
3: what you want, though. Well, yeah, but it's not about (laughs) me at this
1: point, it's not about me,
0: anyways. Uh, I gotta
1: go. All right, guys, have a tremendous weekend, Alex. Good luck, Tim. I don't know, whatever. the...
3: Enjoy your pajamas. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm going to the SRX this weekend. I'm excited.
1: Oh, so you still don't have to get out of your pajamas. Cool,
3: correct. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you guys
1: in a week to talk about all the. 550 laps of racing at Iowa thanks so much for listening to off track with Hinch and Rossi Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram our handle is at ask off track or you can follow us individually we're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi if you want to follow them though we have no idea why you would, He's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to add producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by
0: that, I mean Finn.